Hold on, my earbud fell out. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Sorry, it fell on it got caught in my hair and then in my sweater. Okay. Um <clears throat> But first, if you in- I didn't swallow it though. Did you see that <laughs> in the news? The guy who what? swallowed yes. his earbud. <laughs> Yes. Did you send that to me? I put it on um, like Insta stories. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, like, got up and shoveled and he was wild. totally fine until he drank the water. <laughs> How does that even happen? I like, don't know. Did it fall out and he swallowed it? Or like, Yeah. Was it on his I'm pillow really that he rolled his mouth over and then it fell into his mouth? Or did he pick it up in his sleep and pop it into his... I'm fascinated. <laughs> The first read through, the first read through, my initial thought, honest to goodness, was somehow it went <laughs> into his head what? and went down. Oh, science. <laughs> yes. Like somehow it made its way through the ear canal into his esophagus. Wow. <laughs> Maybe today in homeschool, the kids review the inner ear anatomy. <laughs> yeah, but your ears are connected to your throat. It is. That's so, what I thought. Yeah, it would have to be. It would. Okay. It's quite the big thing that would have to move through your ear. But I guess. You, I guess it. Now I have to find out if things can go through your ear into your throat. Now I need to. Know. It was. It was a fantastical enough story that it's. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. All right. Anyways. <laughs> okay. But first, if you enjoyed today's episode of. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 94. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about being comfortable in your own skin. The beauty brand Olay is famous for its slogan, love the skin you're in. Clearly, they're going to do all they can to help us with the exteriors, but the sentiment goes a bit beyond skin deep, especially now with all this time we've been spending with ourselves at home in various degrees of lockdowns and isolation, let's not forget the truth that we are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made and the dignity with which we were all made to live. But first, if you enjoy today's episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. If you are able to leave us a rating and review, we'd be so grateful. Reviews are especially important on Apple Podcasts because they help new listeners discover our show. Every time you share us with a friend or leave a comment, you help our podcast grow. This week's shout out goes to Bridget MPK, who left us a wonderful rating and review on iTunes and said, quote, such a lovely listen. We're a military family, so homemaking can be a little hard for me with moving all the time, but I am oh so thankful for this podcast, end quote. Well, thank you so much for your comments, Bridget. Thank you for your family's service. We're so honored to be following you around and keeping you company in your homemaking journey. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our modern lady tip of the week. I have found myself using email more often over the past couple of weeks than I have really over the last couple of years. And perhaps I'm not as scared to open it now that I've recently deleted thousands of emails. (laughs) Anywho, I'm the type of person who likes to put a smiley face at the end of my responses. I can't help it. It's like a compulsion. And now that I'm faced with having more communication with strangers, like people inquiring about the podcast, or even Peter, the guy who's going to fix my chipped quartz countertop, I'm wondering if I can end my emails to them with the colon bracket combo smiley face. So I've Googled email etiquette and here are a few tips from indeed.com. Number one, you need a clear and simple subject line. Your subject line should sum up the content of your email in just a few words. Number two, use a standard font and color. This is not the time to be fancy. Number three, address the recipient formally. Use their title or honorific, Mr., Mrs., Miss, Dr., Father. Begin politely, dear Mrs. Jones. Number four, use carbon copy and blind carbon copy appropriately. 
Okay, confession time. As I said, I rarely use email. So when I had to send out nearly 400 emails of this whole home organization plan that I created, um, I hesitated when copying in all of the email addresses um, because I was sending mass emails to groups of 30-ish people. And when I first sent them, I wondered if it was proper that everyone could see everyone else's email addresses. And I Googled this and I read about Blind Carbon Copy, BCC, but I couldn't see that option on my own Gmail. So I went ahead and just emailed everyone and a lovely friend messaged me about it and mentioned blind carbon copying. And I told her that I did not know how to do it. Jason finally showed me how when he came home from work and I actually did have to add it as an option. It didn't come up as an option in my send um, template. And so then I finally could hide everyone's email addresses. Number five, provide a call to action at the end. Ask for an RSVP or provide a deadline or let them know that you will be following up within a set amount of time. Number six, include a professional closing like thank you or best regards. Now here comes that question I originally had about the smiley face. I am really concerned that people won't think I'm nice unless I do a smiley face. And here's what the expert said. One study demonstrated that the recipient of emails with emojis or a smiley face tended to question the competency of the sender. Another article said that the mm. odd smiley face in an email to a coworker was fine, but really should be limited. The best piece of advice, though, is if you think your tone isn't clear, then you probably should rewrite the email so that your tone will be better understood. Finally, number seven, proofread before hitting send. This seems like a no brainer, but as the kids are saying these days, this is actually big brained. Big brained. Okay. I've never heard of big brained before. <laughs> it is the I'm talk of the so preteens. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Does and that it, mean it's just too big for your brain? No, it's a compliment. So I'll do something and the kids are like, mom, that was really big brained. So it is totally oh. a compliment if someone says that to you. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. <laughs> and, and in regards to your whole escapades with the BCC button. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't an actual option. Um, I think it is on mine, so I think you can be forgiven for uh, not BCCing in your first mass email campaign. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Michelle. Smiley face. We all know the saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But something we may not have considered is, what if the beholder is us and the beauty we're eyeing is also us. How do we really see ourselves? And that's really what we're talking about today, right, Lindsay? Yeah, I have been wanting to talk about this topic for a while now. Several months ago, I was listening to a talk given by Mireille Giuliano, the famous author of French Women Don't Get Fat and some other best-selling mm. books. She was also, I should note this, the first female president and CEO of Veuve Clicquot, the famous, world-famous champagne brand. She mm. said in this talk, this French saying, this well-known French saying, être bien dans sa peau, which directly translates into be well in one's own skin. Mireille said, quote, always strive to be bien dans sa peau. That is true to your unique outward self in addition to your inward emotional self. Develop your own style, a look and manner that feels comfortable and right to you and that you present to the world. Well, I immediately loved that French, that the French have a saying for this. You know, I love when other cultures have that and wondered why we struggle to find the right words to say such a thing. Like we talk about self-care and body positivity and self-love and self-esteem, but this is different and it's actually being comfortable mm -hmm. in your own skin. You and I talk all the time, right? About the interior and exterior. And she said that in that quote, right? Like, I love that she right. brought both of those things out. And she didn't just focus on it being a look, but also mentioned how we carry ourselves. She used the word manner. And that when it's done um, authentically, I, I think this will help us grow more to be more comfortable in our own skin. It does seem like um, the French in particular have a really good understanding of this concept. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. And I really think that all the things that, you know, you were saying that she was talking about, the it's the manner in which you act. It's how you carry yourself. It's figuring out what feels um, authentic to you. I think that when you do that work uh, on the foundation or at the base level inside, then that is what comes out uh, exteriorly. And that's what the other people see. And it all just kind of works together to create this um, this persona, your very own persona. And that is what 
I see anyways as people who have a good sense of style. They've kind of figured out that balance. Yeah. Yeah. And it draws people toward it's it has a magnetic force, doesn't it? And this is, I think, mm -hmm. the, the trendy term of like finding your authentic self. I find like when again, like so many times when we talk about um, connecting your interior life to your exterior representation, um, when those things are fused well together, it does it it shines out of someone and it's incredibly magnetic and it draws people towards you. It's a part of your look. It's it's that you are kind of timeless or beyond or outside of trends, but it's, it's so much mm -hmm. more than that, right? It is the way you carry yourself, your personality. Mm -hmm. And when it is very much you. So I like that you mentioned that it kind of transcends trends and mm -hmm. fads mm -hmm. because you can look at someone who, who seems completely on trend, but it's actually not really the trend of the day per mm -hmm. se. Do you know what I mean when mm -hmm. I say that? Like it's so them that it fits. <laughs> yeah. And I think we all have that, but it looks different and we just kind of get a little bit maybe caught up sometimes in trying to emulate other people's looks. We forget that we can have the same effect and it might look actually totally different, but it will have that same effect even coming from us. Yeah. And the reverse is true, right? Because you can see somebody who's totally mm -hmm. on trend. And I want to talk about this a little bit later with um, the whole concept of being basic. I'm going to touch on that a little bit later, but you can see so Ooh. many women who all look the same right now. But it, mm. there's nothing mm. shining through them with it because so they're, even though they're on trend, um, you can tell it, it's not a reflection of their actual personality. So yeah, mm. um, this topic popped up again for me. So I had heard that talk with Mireille and then I got a private message from someone um, around the time when I turned 40 and she, she was in her early thirties and she asked me how it is that I'm so obviously happy about turning 40 and that she <sighs> wants to feel the same way when she gets to be that age. And she just really um, wanted to know how to get there mentally because that's uh, so countercultural. And this conversation, I feel like, is really a great conversation to have. Mm -hmm. We When we were coming up with this outline, I really did try to think about, like, three, break it down into three ways, right? That we can all mm -hmm. grow to be more self-confident. Um, in my journey, I mm -hmm. talk about it a little bit differently, is, is moving from a secular idea of being really confident and then seeing myself as how God sees me. This really is continuing on with this theme that we didn't know we were really establishing when we started the self-awareness episode, right? Like we're kind of yes. still yes. talking about the same thing. And so I'm really liking that. And I and you nailed it, Michelle, in, the, in your opening, we were talking about how like what better time than now when we're alone with mm -hmm. ourselves so much than to really do this work, right? Um, when we really try to look at this concept of growing more comfortable in your own skin, um, the first one that we thought about was changing the conversation, right? Silencing your inner critic mm. or the critic that is coming to, you know, in, to you from the outside world, but it's changing that conversation. And I, the funniest thing happened when I clicked on the very first article, when I was Googling this, the article I had Googled mm -hmm. how to be more comfortable in your own skin. And so I clicked on the first article that was about that very thing. And Michelle, lo and behold, an ad <laughs> from that very same site popped up and it showed a yes. picture of a woman in a very clean, uh, scantily clad in the tiniest bikini. And it said 15 ways to look prettier right now. And I'm like, wow, what? we sent two totally different messages mm. on the, at the exact same time, right? How to be more comfortable in your skin and how to become 15 ways to become prettier right now. Oh my goodness. And do you know what? I think uh, most of us will click through that ad without even thinking about it because we're mm. so used to ads popping up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but subconsciously, um, it, we're seeing it so many times a day. I wonder if that really does stick in our subconscious. Yeah, it's something I have talked about a lot on social media over the years. I really have. I, if I go back in my Facebook memories, I I bring up this idea of the media twisting how we should see ourselves. I talk about it a lot. Mm. I first noticed it when I had my first baby, which was a girl. And I was still at that time subscribing to fashion magazines and they'd come into my home. And as soon as I had her mm. and I looked at a fashion magazine and then I looked at my baby girl and I went, yep, nope, no more. These are not coming in our house. And it was mm. only then when I thought about how it could impact her, did I realize the voice that had been in my own head. Right. Sometimes until we see how mm. it can affect the next generation or the women that we love, um, we think about 
protecting them sometimes more than we think about protecting ourselves and the impact it could have on us. So that conversation um, really started to change for me 14 years ago. Yeah, that's true. You know, this inner critic, this inner voice. um, Sometimes I wonder, like what you're saying, where does it come from exactly? Mm -hmm. And whose voice is it actually? I think there are there may be more than one sources Mm -hmm. of this inner critic. Um, It's interesting because in one of my last meetings with my spiritual director, Mm -hmm. he actually said something and he counseled me uh, once to get into the practice of recognizing lies about myself that are coming from inside and to combat it with the truth. And he said that this truth is going to come from knowing scripture and knowing what the church says. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Um, And it occurred to me that in order to be able to do that, especially as a natural reflex, which is what I'd love to work towards, I have to actually be immersed in the truth then, don't I? Yeah. And so, you know, it's actually this twofold job of learning how to identify what that inner voice is saying um, to you and about you. And then be so filled with what is true and good and beautiful that the ugliness of the lie is so stark that you can't not see it. Mm -hmm. And then it may start to become easier, right, to silence Mm -hmm. that inner critic of ours. Yeah. You're changing the conversation. You're literally, it's like you're Mm -hmm. translating the language from one language to another, right? It's what you're allowing into Mm -hmm. your brain every year. When January rolls around and women are feeling at their absolute lowest, I don't know if you've noticed this, but again, I talk about this every year and now I bring my daughter into this conversation with me. There is an onslaught of marketing targeted towards women who are making New Year's resolutions. It It's like that is the mm-hmm. time of the year where they tell you you are too fat and too old. And and I saw it all start to pop up in ads on mm. in this January. And my daughter was sitting beside me and I said, oh, Charlotte, it's that time of year again where I'm told I'm too fat and too old. <laughs> and it's just like the way it, it, I mean, it is a great act of rebellion to love yourself in this world. That's telling you every two minutes that there's something wrong with you. What I find is so interesting is there's this huge movement towards body positivity and especially on Instagram, right? And Mm -hmm. images of women proudly displaying their quote mom bods. And we all, we will scroll through that. and We're like, yes, yes. It seems like there's this great growth in that area, but then Mm-hmm. The same women or ourselves will then a couple minutes later look up a video on how to contour your face so much that you look unrecognizable um, at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. Or put so many filters on yourself um, on these things that you don't look like yourself either. So it's like there's this huge struggle that I'm really seeing more than ever of love yourself, live an authentic life, own you know your flaws, but then we're still trying to hide those things. It's, I just feel like that message is changes every single time you log on to social media, it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. That's really true. I wonder if one of the ways that we can try to start changing this conversation in our own minds is to think Mm long-term, like long-term goals. I know we've kind of talked about this before, but we kind of, and we'll talk about aging probably in a little bit, Mm -hmm. but like we really enjoy the thought of growing old Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what that's going to look like. So basically what I'm saying is when I envision myself as I progress through my years, um, I think of the kind of grandma that I want to be and look like, and I can't help but think of the older women who are just very happy and very content and they look their age and they love the state of life that they're in. And contrasting that with if I'm going to start a rat race now at my age of trying to beat that or counter that Mm -hmm. or be something that I'm not, do I actually have the stamina to continue that forever? (laughs) You know? And so, you know, when I think about it in that sense, I tend to not get so caught up in the messaging of the marketing world because I know that that's not actually my goal anyways. So I certainly want to take care of myself. I certainly want to look presentable, um, but it's a a little bit lessened the edge of, uh, you know, having, feeling like I have to do that to have worth basically. Yeah. And I think that that is okay. So those examples of those women, like you're talking about those older women, right. That Mm -hmm. are totally comfortable in their own skin and with their age. Um, those are the women we know in real life. They're not often represented, especially in American Mm. media. 
they are a lot in You're British right. media, right? Could there be more shows in England of old yeah. ladies who solve crimes? Like they do a really great job. Maybe, yeah. maybe why? Maybe this is why this concept is so comfortable and familiar to me. It's because of everything <laughs> we watch. I is watch British. So much British TV, and yeah. I say to Jason all the time: the actors and actresses used in British TV shows look way more normal <laughs> than anything yes. produced yes. in the states, right? And they really do have a lot of shows mm-hmm. with people with elderly people in them as the main characters, and I. I love that. Um, The only American show that I have found where I thought I want to be like that old lady is um, Max and Ruby. I want to be the grandma, the grandma bunny and Max and Ruby. (laughs) (laughs) She has been my, my grandma role model (laughs) from goals. (laughs) Okay. um, Yeah. With the slight problem that it's a cartoon rabbit. (laughs) Right. Whatever. Just slight problem. But what I think is so important, so what we're saying is the people that we look to, I guess, long-term, right, big picture, mm-hmm. should be the people in our real lives. You're not going to find that represented. There's actually a ton of information and a lot of articles about where did the old ladies go, um, especially in, oh, in terms of American. Really? Like, Actually, there's I've read articles on the disappearance of the middle-aged. There is nobody that's transitionally aged in movies really anymore. Um, if you look huh. back on the movies that you and I love from the th- 50s and 60s, the women that looked like we would think were old. Um, when you actually looked mm-hmm. up their ages, they were 45. They were 45 to like 55. And they just looked older because they were naturally aging. That demographic of mm. woman has completely disappeared from, from modern media. Um, and that's the age group I'm moving into. And so I think that that's really interesting. But I want to bring it back to then the real life influences. And so those women, again, that you're talking about, that you look towards, these are the women that we need mm-hmm. to fill our lives with. And this is what I love, particularly about church friendships, right? If you, okay, mm-hmm. if you don't go to church regularly and your peer group is mostly your peers, you know, the parents of your mm-hmm. kids, friends and that sort of thing. You're kind of only getting one age group, roughly, of people. But if you're a regular churchgoer, you get to get yeah. to know a lot of the older women. And I really love having those women in my life and having that mm-hmm. to look forward to and having those relationships. So I think who you surround yourself with is probably far more important than we even are willing to accept, right? Um, yes. so yeah. And who you'll allow into your head in your real life. Yeah. Relationships. I mean, Good relationships can do so much to bolster us, but on the other hand, uh, poor relationships they can do they can do damage. It's been becoming quite clear that when it comes to relationships, if it's not mutually respectful and dignified and encouraging, then you can distance yourself a little bit from that person. You know, even if you're in the same peer group, even if you're in the same community. Um, I think that there are degrees to this. And just in my own personal experience, I've found that it is possible uh, to keep a solid boundary and a privacy in place without sacrificing goodwill or a friendship with a person. And that that's totally okay. It's not weakness to realize that uh, a relationship may need some reevaluation and to reflect on how you can continue to serve and love this person while maintaining your own dignity going forward. 100%. And I, mm. I've i recently come to a realization as well where I just thought, okay, the people who I'm actually going to let in my head, and what I mean by that is it doesn't mean I'm not going to not listen to you, like what you're saying, or be your friend. Right, right. But if I'm going to let you in my head or really take careful consideration of, of advice you might be giving me, I'm really only letting mm-hmm. the people in who are joyful people, who have peace in their own lives, yes. right? Like I'm mm-hmm. not, there is a saying, and Michelle, you and I with our quotes, um, <laughs> we haven't written them yeah. down, but there is Someone like, said it. Yes, yeah, someone time. said it. Yeah. And I saw it on Instagram and it was something about like, why on earth would we listen to the criticisms from the people whose lives like we don't respect, right? Or something. And we do mm. do that. Like if it, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be your friend, but if you're clearly not at peace in your own life, then I'm not going to let your advice or your thoughts about my life and me impact me in that way anymore. They're not going to carry the same weight, right? And so that's Mm -hmm. different. It doesn't mean that, yeah, we don't have those people in our life. It just means that we're going to change the language, censor the information that's coming into our own heart, um, and just like give things different weight, right? Or different credence in our life. Um, we don't have to accept mm-hmm. it all coming at us all the time, carte blanche. I'm becoming, the older I get, a lot more selective about what I allow in my own head. Right. 
because all of those things, I think, combine to become that inner voice. Absolutely. The and, multiple inner voices, and if, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what we're saying is you may hear a lot of voices in your head. No, I'm just <laughs> <Yes>. kidding. <laughs> but there's only one, right, that we really need to listen to. And that one, of course, for you and I, God's voice is going to help us. And this is the second thing here. Recognize our own beauty, mm-hmm. value, talents, and interests. And this we think is the next step. And this again is so tied into self-awareness. If you haven't listened to our episode on self-awareness yet, um, really stop and do that because I think it's just, I'm so glad we recorded that because it is something we allude to so mm-hmm. many times. And yeah, I think this is the right time to really step back and grow in self-awareness. And again, what that means is you'll know what your strengths, what your strengths are, and you will be able to acknowledge your weaknesses. Right. So in a way, this could be like the follow-up episode to self-awareness because I feel like in that episode, it took on a very New Year's resolution-y tone. Mm -hmm. It was like pinpointing pinpointing the areas you want to improve or you may need to improve upon um, and how to do that. And in this episode, we're kind of focusing on looking for the positive aspects because you do also have strengths. Yes. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Yes. And to rejoice in those. Um, lately, I've been rewatching the Anne of Green Gables series, mm-hmm. the one starring Megan Follows, mm-hmm. which is my absolute favorite from childhood. And I feel like Anne Shirley is a really good example of what a keen sense of self looks like mm-hmm. in this regard. You know, she's always bemoaning her faults <laughs> and she owns that she needs to improve. Um, she admits that. But especially as she begins to mature through the series, um, she really holds her own talents and strengths in very high esteem mm-hmm. and she loves to write. She knows she's good at performing. And so she doesn't hold back. She really goes for it and embraces it. And everyone comes to know Anne Shirley for exactly who Anne Shirley is. Red hair and lady of Shalott and all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So what makes you, you, what is unique right? Just to you, mm-hmm. to, to about yourself. Um, I really don't think that there's been any other time in history when people have actually so wanted to blend in um, and to lose their self sense of what's unique. I really feel like everybody is trying to be mm. like everybody else right now. And again, I wonder if this is a byproduct of social media. Um, and so I, I mean, okay, well, here's the word basic. This is where this comes in. I thought this became a derogatory term that is used to say, oh, she's mm-hmm. so basic, or there's a even worse version of that. It's, it's a certain look. It's a, an actual movement where you do look like everyone else and you drink the same Starbucks and you like the same music mm. and you just blend in. You just don't want to stand out. And so I actually researched the origins of that term. And then Michelle, I found out and fell down this huge rabbit hole of something that I don't know if it will interest anyone else, but I was fascinated by this article. Okay. So this article was from, Mm -hmm. I think 2014, and it described this anti-fashion fashion fashion movement (laughs) called norm core, like normal core C O R E. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Normcore, um, but no. I hadn't. And I feel like it's actually, so it started like so many fashion trends in Manhattan, right? Or the streets of New York. And I actually feel like mm-hmm. this is the fashion trend that's made its way up to where we are in Waterloo region um, in the last maybe two years. So back to my teenager who keeps me up to date on everything that is cool and hip. There is a thing that all of the young girls are talking about that's called aesthetics. And I find this so fascinating that I've even proposed doing an episode on this with you. These Mm -hmm. aesthetics are um, looks and the word core is attached to many of them. So there's farm core, cottage core, grandma core, bloom core. It literally goes on and on Mm -hmm. and on. Anyways, Mm -hmm. what the difference with these new ones versus norm core that started this in 2014, norm core was about looking like everyone else. And it was a deliberate attempt to look, to blend in. They actually featured a magazine editorial Mm. where the photographs in this editorial were actual Google street view candid shots of regular people on the street. Really? Yep. Let, so, that's like, let that sink in. Okay. <laughs> that was the new anti-fashion this, yeah. fashion movement. And so it's, it, they often call it like the Jerry Seinfeld look. So like new balance running shoes, khakis, um, a fleece, like half zip up pullover and like the round glasses. Do you know the look I'm talking about now? 
Yes, I think I do. Okay, so well, that's like Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's normcore. And again, that whole thing was about not being unique. It was not being fashion. It was about not blending in. Now, so to make my point clear, um, so late this new thing with cottage core and farm core and all of these other ones, these Generation Z kids, they're blowing my mind because they're mm-hmm. about moving back towards individuality and having a unique style. And their unique style comes from their mm-hmm. talents and interests. So when you're one of those things, cottage core or bloom core or art core or grammar core, it's, it's what books you love, what art you love, what music you love. And then you dress in a way that kind of fits that theme. And so I'm really blown away by these young girls, these teenagers who aren't falling, um, aren't becoming fashion victims. Don't need mom and dad to buy them mm-hmm. all the top brands that we've really seen in the last generation. They are all about thrifting and creating these really unique and personal looks and styles. Okay. I really, really love that. I love that. On my part, the ones I kept standing out, you kept saying cottagecore. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Wait till you Google it. Uh You're going (laughs) to love it. Okay, perfect. It sounds like something I would love. I've already found my aesthetic and I haven't even seen it yet. (laughs) I think mine is grandma core. (laughs) That was my second pick. (laughs) I just really love that. I'm watching a teenager and her friends in this, right? It really does help me step back Mm -hmm. and go, okay, what does it mean to really be comfortable in your skin? I mean, is there anyone less comfortable in their skin than a teenage girl? I don't know, but seeing them kind of owning this and really exploring what they enjoy and then wanting to reflect that uh, in their outward style. Yeah. I'm just really inspired by that. And I think some of us women who are approaching middle age could really take a a page from their book. We often bemoan teenagers, right? But I'm really inspired by them. Mm -hmm. And I think we see there a difference between, you know, the the desire, the natural desire to present yourself well and Mm -hmm. wanting to build a reputation for yourself, a good one, a good reputation for Mm -hmm. yourself and a look for yourself amongst your community and the opposite of hinging all your self-worth on an often fickle opinion from other people. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, mm. we shouldn't be seeking validation from other people at all. Right. It's, this just, mm-hmm. this message needs to be repeated over and over and over again. It doesn't matter or it matters very little what others think about you. We have to detach mm-hmm. from the, our own emo- emotional response to what people think about us. And This is again, then growing in and accepting and reflecting on and appreciating your own uniqueness. Like you said, the, the dignity Mm -hmm. that each person, each unique soul gets to um, carry within themselves. And so this has been part of the journey I've really been on from being an atheist who lived very much a secular life of the culture as complete Mm -hmm. perfect product of the culture to being a Catholic woman there was a lot of the, the faking it till you make it. And just it was actual plain old pride, right? Like being scared of my, Mm. my vanity being wounded. And, um, the biggest hurdle, the biggest thing I've worked on throughout my, my journey through the Christian life is letting go of that kind of pride and growing in humility. And I really struggled with this, not the letting go of pride. I could do that, but I really have had to learn what the Christian theological views are on humility. And it's a huge topic, right, Michelle? Like we've, we'll probably mm-hmm. have to do a whole episode mm-hmm. on that one day. Um, so oh, I yeah. won't get into it too much, but it just basically, you know, growing in humility, being humble means seeing yourself, how God sees you and recognizing that you do have unique gifts and talents and how to use them. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, but I am at a place now where I acknowledge that my gifts are from God and that my faults are my own. And this helps Mm -hmm. keep my mind properly ordered, right? So my ego doesn't get inflated as inflated, let's say then, as it used to when somebody pays me a compliment. I'm not fully there yet. Um, And I do (laughs) offer these compliments back to God. And, but there's um, Mm. a great sense of detachment there. Now, if somebody gives me any kind of praise, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't Mm -hmm. inflate my head. But then likewise, and then there's actually a really big benefit to the flip side is when somebody identifies my faults, it doesn't wound me because Mm -hmm. I've already identified my own faults. I've already accused myself of my faults and I have a plan in place to, to overcome them. So yeah, it, that sense of detachment, whether it is not getting too inflated with my ego from praise, but also not getting wounded um, by criticisms is, is a big part of that journey towards humility 
Mm-hmm. I love that because I think possibly something that the culture does is burden us mm. with all of these expectations, <laughs> right? Um, and like Jesus says in, in the gospel, like, cast your burdens on me mm-hmm. and you know, to take up his yoke, um, his burden is light to carry. And we can see that too at the onset, uh, talking about growing in humility can sound uh, really <laughs> not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't want to do that. We want to hang on to our egos. Um, but if we just let that go and let God take over and change us and transform us and try to see ourselves, like you said, in humility for who we actually are and uh, all the good that God has done in us, then it can actually relieve us of a lot of that anxiety and tension that we might come up against in the mainstream world. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the very first parts of scripture that jumped out at me and the one I drill into my kids all the time is indeed the very um, hairs on your head are numbered. I don't remember exactly which section it comes from, but think about that. Like we can take Mm. that literally Think about the amount of hair on your head. I have a lot of hair. Think about the amount of hair on your head. And I say that to my kids, like, look at each other. If those have been numbered, Mm -hmm. think about how unique you are. Like, that just Mm -hmm. really, I mean, is there a more beautiful way to sum up our own unique creation? And that, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all loved and, yeah, created by God to be our own person. I just, I love that. The very hairs on your head are numbered. Right. And that you exist to be loved. So you don't have to go through your whole life trying to earn the only love that matters, essentially. Right? Yes. So finally, the third section, I guess it's, you know, it's a perfect segue. You need to stop being so hard on yourself. And also Mm -hmm. stop taking yourself so darn seriously. You and I talk about this all the time. (laughs) We are silly Mm -hmm. women, right? And I don't know how much of it comes across in the podcast, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Um, That's not necessarily the same thing as not being hard on yourself. Those, you know, they kind of go together, but they're kind of separate. But um, you're going to get older, like newsflash here, your body's going to change, you're going to get wrinkles and spider veins, and you might pee a little when you laugh with your girlfriends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, I think accepting that our bodies are Mm -hmm. going to change and break down as we get older. um, Just accepting that is the first step. And then realizing that getting older is a privilege period. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. That's good. Yeah. Getting older is a privilege. It is a luxury denied to many. And Jason and I have lost enough friends in the last couple of years who are in the prime of their lives. They're in their thirties and early forties that I, you know, in my own life was saved. And Michelle, you had, you know, brushes with health scares. Like I, Mm -hmm. why on earth would I begrudge the wrinkles and the, uh, the signs of aging that have showed that I'm still here. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so true. I didn't think of that as a, as a privilege mm-hmm. and it very, very much is, you know, and, and we talked before earlier in the episode of how women who have aged well have really embraced it. And mm-hmm. so it fits, <laughs> it really fits them. And uh, I just think that they have this air of elegance and grace And that really makes us, um, who are coming up the ranks, I guess, want it to. And we've laughed before, Lindsay, about checking on our wrinkles Mm -hmm. as they come in Mm -hmm. to make sure we're growing the right ones. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They need to be the right wrinkles is the caveat. Yes. (laughs) So we're working. Pretty, the ones that are, because we smiled a lot, right? I have still kind of some of the irritated wrinkles on the forehead that show I've been a little too irritated (laughs) in my life. I want the happy wrinkles. (laughs) Right. We want the deepest smile lines and Mm -hmm. crow's feet ever. So we're Mm -hmm. diligently working on that. Um, But how joyful is that, right? And I think that adds an air of lightness to all of this as well. So yes, we can talk about aging and um, how it's going to happen. And it does mean our bodies are going to, you know, get weaker and more frail. But also with that comes so much wisdom and settledness in your spirit if you understand what's happening and why it's happening and you let go just let go of what's happening I remember when I was studying anthropology in university something struck me then and we learned that when by the time the very last bone in your body fuses together it's something I think in your like um, clavicle area when that last Mm -hmm. thing these two pieces fuse together 
your very first bones start deteriorating. Like it, it, it's, it's, yeah, they piggyback off each other. And so right as we reach maturity, we're already starting to age to move past that. And there is shame attached to aging and it's shame again, like marketing. If, if they can't tell us that we, um, that like we shouldn't love ourselves, then we're not going to buy their products. If we love ourselves. Right. And Mm. this isn't true all of the time, but it definitely creates a much bigger market. If you think you need to fix things on yourself. Um, Ashton Applewhite wrote a New York times article entitled working to disarm women's anti-aging demons. Now as a Catholic, I would probably have written it working to exercise (laughs) the anti-aging demons. (laughs) Um, But she wrote, quote, these behaviors are rooted in shame over something that shouldn't be shameful. And they give a pass Mm. to the underlying discrimination that makes them necessary for movements to have power. Their members have to embrace the thing that is stigmatized. That means moving from denying aging to accepting it and even to embracing it. Wow. And this is from a secular source. Yes. Where was it again, you said? This was in the New York Times. And this came, Mm. this popped up because I Googled women embracing their gray hair. Obviously, I talk about this a lot on social media. I know for a lot of our listeners, especially our Christian listeners, they maybe grew up with mothers who um, did let their gray hair come in or they didn't wear a ton of makeup. Mm -hmm. And this is natural for them. But for women like me who came from the culture, this is a huge act of revolution, of rebellion, of defiance to make the decision to let our gray hair come in. So I Googled that to see if there were any um, numbers yet coming in statistics, because it does seem to me that it's all over social media. And I was Mm -hmm. so pleasantly surprised by the amount of articles that were dated 2020, all, you know, recent articles Mm -hmm. about women who have decided to let their gray hair come in. And I think this is one of the great um, byproducts of the lockdown, right? So many women couldn't get their hair yeah. colored and have decided that, you know, maybe those roots aren't so bad. And so there has been this movement, not just of accepting it, but actually embracing it. And so if you search like the hashtag silver sisters or grombre or embracing gray, it's all over social media. Women who right from their first gray hair now in their thirties, all the way up have decided to celebrate this, this process. Mm-hmm. And do you know what that does is when you embrace it, it just completely uh, obliterates the the struggle and the conflict and the weight that trying to fight it brings. <laughs> and the shame, right? That word shame. Yes. I thought mm-hmm. there's so much shame. Like, why are we feeling shameful about baby weight and pimples and aging? And I was going to add freckles to that list too, because I'm going through all the things that I've been told I should feel shameful about. Um, and mm. But freckles are really trendy right now. I don't know if you've seen that, that a lot of the filters will add freckles or girls oh. are adding freckles yes. with makeup, right? So mm. I, I mean, I spent years I've always feeling, loved freckles. Right? But I felt years, I've um, gone through years of being ashamed of my freckles mm. and would wear pounds of foundation trying to cover them up. Um, but yeah, there's so much shame. And so just, if you haven't gotten to the point of your life yet, when you can accept these parts of yourself, that you can accept that you're going to make mistakes and that it's part of growing, it's time to make that decision today, right? Like as someone again, with an almost ridiculous amount of self-confidence, I don't fool myself into thinking that I am perfect. That's not the same thing, right? I, I can see mm. Um, the, the marks, the curves, the wrinkles, those things on my physical body. And I am fully aware of the imperfections within myself. Um, and I don't pretend like I don't make mistakes, but there's been a lot of growth and just saying, acknowledging, calling these things out for what they are, improving what I can improve on and accepting what I can't improve on. So perhaps we can get too bogged down as we're trying to do this deep work. Um, and so as part of not being too hard on yourself, it's really important to celebrate your wins, even now, even on lockdown. Mm. And one of the wins that you and I are are collectively um, feeling right now is how the podcast audience has really grown. Um, Hello, new listeners. Um, And it's very (laughs) humbling, right? Hello. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very, very humbling. And I know for me, and I know Mm. you'd agree, I want to keep myself grounded, um, even as this grows. I, I don't, I want to limit how excited I get when we receive wonderful reviews and the messages you guys send us. It's so incredible. But at the same time, you and I are working so hard, aren't we, Michelle? Um, Yeah. We are. And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of our time and our energy to put together this podcast. And I feel like 
then we should be able to celebrate the milestones. And sometimes that's hard to do. And so Mm -hmm. we are going to get some real champagne. We have committed to this when we hit our 100,000th, that's hard to say, um, download. (laughs) We are going to toast each other, even if we have to stand six feet apart. I want us to celebrate Mm. that. And so when, when I was looking into this, some of you posed the question that you should really step back. And have you ever stepped back, I guess, and taken a look at your life, how others might see it. And if they think you're living a pretty good life, there's probably a kernel mm. of truth in that, right? Even though we can go, but this isn't, yeah. you know, true. Or this isn't true. There's probably a kernel in it. And so are you taking those things for granted? Are you taking anything for granted? And what things can mm-hmm. you give yourself credit for and go, you know what? I have done a really good job at that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think we can be our own worst critics a lot of the time. Um, we're just simply around ourselves the most, <laughs> that more than anyone else. And so we see um, perhaps our failings a little bit more keenly and we feel them a little more keenly. But I like what you're saying about um, having the humility to see things as they truly are mm-hmm. and how God sees them. And the fact of the matter is, is that God creates good things. And so it's very natural to realize that he would create good that comes from your life. So celebrating your wins is another way to recognize the goodness that God is doing in your life and through your life. And when you can see that you're a part of that, and so is everybody else that God is working through at this time too, you start seeing and celebrating your wins as a collective win from all of us. And we're all going to be playing a part in changing this culture and bringing everyone up with us. time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, it took me over one month, but I just finished Anna Karenina and... Oh, I've been waiting oh, for this review. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I so many, it's so fresh that I'm, I'm even, it's even hard for me to talk about mm. right now. Um, but for those of you who don't know, Anna Karenina was a novel written by Leo Tolstoy. He wrote and released it in installments from 1873 to 1877. The novel, uh, it's considered by many to be one of the best novels of all time, is over 800 pages, and it gives the reader a vast overview of so many topics that the Russians Mm. were discussing and issues that they were facing during that period. I'm saddened by the fact that most people in most adaptations only focus on the affair that happens between Anna Karenina and uh, Count Vronsky. This storyline is only one aspect of a really complex novel, and it's filled with other characters and several other concurrent storylines. My favorite character is actually Levin, and it's suggested that Levin Mm. is autobiographical because Leo Tolstoy's real first name is Lev, and the full version of Lev is Levin. And this character Mm. is by far the most complex, and he goes through the greatest transformation. I can't give more information, but his character, oh, he goes right till the end. And I want to point out too, that I have probably read over a thousand novels in my lifetime, but I've never encountered something that I've encountered in Anna Karenina. And that is when Levin's wife, Kitty, is in labor. Tolstoy goes Mm -hmm. on for pages and pages and pages, writing from inside Levin's head about the torture the husband and expectant father is feeling as he hears his wife screaming in pain. She has a very Mm. um, (sighs) troubled labor and delivery no spoilers. Um, and you know, Mm -hmm. he, I've never read so much from what a husband goes through during that period. And it's so forward thinking, like it's so modern to, to look into a man's Mm -hmm. psyche like that. It was, it was incredible. Now Tolstoy himself had 13 children. And I think that that's really evident when you Mm. read about what a man is feeling during that time when, when his wife is in labor. So life, death, marriage, infidelity, divorce, the aristocracy, the peasantry, faith, atheism, motherhood, fatherhood, agriculture, it's all covered um, in this beautifully written novel. And I am, was truly lost in it. I looked forward to reading it every night and I, I just finished it. And I think it's going to stay with me for a very long time. Okay. All right. I will, I will look into picking that up next. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you been loving this week? 
So last night I just finished watching The Scarlet and the Black. Oh, uh, yes. Have you heard of this movie? I have. Have you watched it? Um, bits of it okay. throughout the years, but never start to finish. Okay, so um, it's been on my radar for the last few months, but then friends of ours uh, from Theology of the Buddy podcast, mm -hmm. they mentioned on Facebook that they had just watched it last week. Um, and so I was like, all right, there it is. That's my signal that I need to get on this too. So The Scarlet and the Black follows the work of Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty, who's a Roman Catholic priest, and his colleagues' humanitarian work in Italy during the Nazi occupation of World War II. And they worked to help and hide escaped Allied prisoners of war while the Nazis occupied Rome. So it stars Gregory Peck and the very recently, sadly, um, mm -hmm. late Christopher Plummer, right? Yeah. I love this movie because while it was certainly entertaining in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of suspense and there were times where I was literally holding my breath on the mm. character's behalf. Uh, but more than that, it was really convicting to me. I loved the reminder that in spite of the danger to ourselves and the danger that's all around us, our first call as Christians and as Catholics is to love God above everything else and to love our neighbor and to put ourselves out there for it. I think when we're aware of that and can hold fast to the hope that, you know, that Christ is risen and his promise of eternal life with him after our life on earth is done is real, that we can actually emerge from the fear in this world invigorated. So this movie really served as an encouragement and a reminder to me that there is actually still so much that we can do to honor God and to serve our fellow man even during this time and at a time when a lot of us may be hitting a wall when it comes to the pandemic and politics and whatnot. It's the joy that we find and share with one another in Christ that allows us to live beyond fear and to maintain that peace, which can't be taken from us even when what we're facing seems so insurmountably evil or impossible. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.